Hi, and welcome to this edition of Happier Me Live. I'm Dr. Manoj Krishnan, the founder of Happier Me. And with me today is Marie Thun. Marie is a dating and relationship coach based in California in the United States. So Marie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So today we're going to be exploring the whole subject of dating, relationships, the early part of relationships. And our focus is going to be around dating with wisdom and with kindness. And what can we do uh, to make the most of it? And Marie, as we were discussing, we are trained all through school and college and university to find jobs. You know, there's so much training from childhood to be successful in the world in terms of jobs. But finding a life partner or a loving life partner and that main relationship in our life is probably the biggest contributor to our own happiness, but we have no training for it at all, right? Or very little. Mm, right. I mean, the things we learn about it are usually from watching our parents interact with each other or watching TV and watching movies and seeing how love happens there. And these typically are not the best models. Um, I mean, depending on who your parents are, some people have really great relationship models at home, but it's not all of us. No. And so, sure, it's. I think there's a big lack of relationship education yes. in our society, whether we're talking about, you know, the U.S. where I'm based or, you know, other continents, other countries where people are listening yes. from. I think that's an international problem. So at the moment, I was reading there are 44 million Americans on dating apps. And 40% of the population in the United States is single, but it's the same number here, proportionately in the UK. And yes, there must be people in that cohort who are voluntarily single or happy to be. But then I'm sure the majority of people would love to be in a loving relationship if that was easier or more possible or and so on, right? So there's a huge mismatch between what we would like for ourselves and the reality in, in society. Yeah, you know, it's a it's an interesting historical moment, uh, Manoj, because I think we're leaving behind old paradigms of mm -hmm. dating and relationship where there were default containers for relationship, you know, and uh, in some countries, we, you know, we still have arranged marriages, but even in um, countries like the U.S., you know, there was a sense of like, okay, like women are dependent on men and they kind of, everyone has to compromise and marriage is more of a transactional affair rather than, you know, we don't marry just for love. We have, you know, like a business deal. Yes. But now women are typically, for the most part, financially independent. So there isn't as much of a need to have this transactional relationship. And so people are looking for love. People yeah. are looking for healthy partnership. And that's where this is a little bit harder because we we still, you know, for the most part, most part are hoping for long term relationships and for the most part people are still you know wanting lifelong monogamy yes but then we also have this big requirement that this relationship should satisfy us at so many different levels you know we need a companion we need someone who will ignite our passion and be our friend but also be our lover and you know we have a lot of requirements and yes. 
one of the people who's spoken a lot about this is Esther Perel, you know, how the need um, for a partner now is what a village used to uh, meet. Yes, and yes. You want everything so in one person, right? Yeah, and it's a list huge of ask. needs is so long, right? Mm -hmm. But what are we looking for? Are we looking for love, you think? Or are we looking to get our needs met? And mm -hmm. we're perhaps not even aware of, let's explore what those needs might be that we're looking to for someone else to meet. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of them is we're lonely, you know, and we want someone who will validate us and take care of us. But what else do you think might be at play in terms of what are our emotional needs that we're looking for other people to meet? Mm. Well, yeah, there is definitely a basic need for companionship. Mm. We are not a lonely creature. We're a social creature and mm. we're not really wired to be alone a lot of the time. And, you know, like I think more and more people are looking for emotional and even spiritual growth through their relationships. Yes. You know, like we're looking for someone who is going to help us grow, help, you know, be a companion on this growth journey that is life you know someone that is going to share our evolution and ignite and reflect different parts of who we are yes so that is really i think one of the biggest gifts yes. of relationships but also maybe one of the hardest things to find yes and i think the other challenge is that we don't approach a relationship saying well i'm looking for someone to give all this 10 things i've got too i'm looking for mm -hmm. someone to give me all that stuff do you know what i mean yes oh my <laughs> gosh like that's so true bucket of love i want to hand yeah. out or i've really improved my communication skills or my list whatever it might be am i really mm -hmm. on myself no no i'm just looking for someone to meet all my needs but i don't have the same need to meet other people's needs and perhaps that is the at the very outset the biggest challenge we face right you know, I really agree. And that is something I always talk to my coaching clients um, about, you know, because I do coach a lot of people one-on-one -on -one who are mm -hmm. dating and really looking for a life partner. And one of the first questions I always ask is, what are you offering? What do you have to give? What do you want to give and share? Let's not just focus on what do you want to get yes. from a relationship and What's your list of what are your criteria in somebody else? But and that's important. That's important to know what our criteria is and what are we willing to accept and not. But let's start with us. Like, who are you and what, what are you bringing question. to the table? What are you willing to give? Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe a, another question linked to that could be, what work are you doing on yourself? Do you recognize the areas where you need to do some more work? Like, mm -hmm. how good a listener are you mm -hmm. how flexible are you in your thinking um, right. how do you respond and we'll, we'll of course come to that we've got a few questions to explore there okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bye. okay let's move to the next question which is how does our mind decide who do we want to be with what are the different forces at Ooh. play that <laughs> shape our thinking around that question Oh my gosh, such a good question. Um, yeah, like if you are making a list, you know, of who you want to meet, whose list is this? Uh -huh. Is this really yours? Is this your heart's list? Or is this your mom's list? 
Mm. Is this the you know, is this society's list? You know, like who who told you you needed to have a man who's at least six feet six feet tall? Yes. Who told you that you needed to have a woman who is you know the model of beauty that you've seen in a lot of movies? You know, like to question like who taught you those criteria is yeah. super important, and to then really ask your deepest heart of hearts, you know, and that's a practice to even find that find that self-connection what is it that really your heart is desiring yes. that's a beautiful but that process. i think we need to become aware firstly that we've been conditioned by our past mm -hmm. influences and secondly to be able to question and maybe challenge ourselves saying you know you might think uh, oh, I want someone who does all the cooking, for example, because my mom did all the cooking and I want someone to do all the cooking. But mm -hmm. you have to challenge that and ask, hey, is that reasonable, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in today's society and so on. So, okay, so dating, uh, you said also the dating process can kind of help us uh, figure that out. Yes, also, yes, it's an iterative process, you know, like oftentimes people start out, they don't necessarily know what they want and that's okay but then if they go on a lot of different dates they meet a lot of people then they get to really realize like oh these characteristics or these dynamics don't work for me or these dynamics really do work for me so the act of dating can be so educational yes and so rich if we really are present with the process we can learn about what are our real you know heart-based needs yes and maybe if we make a list as an exercise, write down all the things you'd like to find in a partner and then ask yourself, where do these things come from? Mm -hmm. Are they reasonable? Because the longer that list is, the more likely you are not to find that person who's perfect. Or even worse, you'll find someone and try and change them to be like mm. that list. And of mm. course, that will lead to the failure of that relationship or conflict, you know, because we're trying to change them, you know, all the time. Uh, yeah, right. I met someone who met my first three criteria, but the next three weren't there, so I'm going to spend my life trying to change them. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that is so true. <laughs> right? And that's where yeah. relationships fail. I mean, I was reading mm -hmm. somewhere that, you know how hard it is to find a partner anyway, but even if you start living with somebody mm -hmm. and you've committed, 70% of those relationships don't last a year. Because we don't mm -hmm. understand the dynamics in our own mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, right. And that's where relationship education also comes into the picture. Is like, how do we deal with all the emotions and all the thoughts that come up for us when we are faced with intimacy? Yes. You know, intimacy is, frankly, one of the most scary human experiences yes. for a lot of us. For a lot of it us. It confronts us. It brings up our vulnerability. It brings up our fear, you know, when there's intimacy and love, there's automatically the fear of loss that yes. comes up. Yes. And oftentimes, you know, we just discover all kinds of psychological mechanisms that then want to push the person away or push us away or a lot of stuff happens in those yes. first months and years of a relationship. I mean, throughout the course of relationships, a lot of stuff happens and we have to know ourselves to, yes. but even before to manage even before you begin to look for somebody, you've got mm -hmm. to confront all the fears in your own mind. So I think this journey of understanding and exploring fear, your own fear, mm -hmm. should mm -hmm. probably be 
in the rule book, you know, the first one of the first things you should be doing when you're looking for a partner because <laughs> you'll be afraid of rejection. You'll start playing games. Yeah. You know, you'll play hard to get. You'll ghost all of that stuff, which mm -hmm. actually doesn't contribute to a loving relationship. Yeah. And if we can embrace vulnerability, which is on the other side of fear, then mm -hmm. there's a chance of something beautiful, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, gosh, it's such a spiritual path. That's the thing, you know, like embracing fear and dating and discovering who we really are and embracing vulnerability. Like it, it's easier said than done. Yes. Like the actual like action, the process of doing it, it's a life path that is challenging, that is confronting, but that yields dividends in all different areas of our yes. lives. Yes. And of course, once you do find, so you get past all the hurdles, the fear of rejection, you know, all of that. Um, you actually go and talk to somebody, <laughs> you know, how tongue-tied mm -hmm, we can mm -hmm. be when we're adolescents and sometimes it carries on. You're worried what people will say and all of that. You don't know the language, you know. But even if you do find someone and you're anxious, then it can make you possessive, you see. And that mm -hmm. possessiveness can harm the relationship long term, you know. Yeah. So many times I've known couples break up because one of the, one of the people was really anxious and as a result, really possessive. Right? A lot of men, mm -hmm. are, for example, you know. Oh, yeah. Men and women. Like, I think possessiveness is one of those things. It's wired in us at some level biologically and at some level socially. Hmm. You know, we have all of these socialized models of love that is like, now you're mine. Yes. You know, now yes. I'm yours. Yes. And that is supposedly romantic. <laughs> yes. Supposedly. But when we stop and word. think about it, it's like, okay, like what? what are we actually saying here? Like, yeah. why do we find this so romantic? And when it comes down to it, how does this play out? You know, like, are people really willing to be possessed? Or does yeah. that create bubbling resentment? Yes. You know, it's double standards in our own mind. We don't want mm -hmm. to be possessed by anybody <laughs> or controlled. Yeah. But we mm -hmm. want to control and possess other people. Because yeah. we have the insecurity and the anxiety and so on. Mm -hmm. And I think the only way to let go of that is to accept that a relationship is not a prison. If you want mm -hmm. people to stay in that relationship with you, you've got to love them and look after them. It's so simple, right? And if oh, you do, yeah. they will stay. I mean... But if they leave, they're going to leave off their own accord. And you have to let them go with grace, which is so difficult for us to do, right? Mm -hmm. And I think everyone has a different idea of what a good relationship is and should be. Instead of feeling like you have to control everything and that only the happiness that's coming from you is valid and happiness that's coming from other parts of their life is maybe threatening to you. Yes. You know, like, can we really get behind someone else's happiness? Yes. And I think that opens the question as to what love is, you see. Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. for us, our mind assumes love is a feeling, ah, I love you means it's what you are giving me. Yes, absolutely. It's such a distortion of that word, love. 
you tell me yeah. I love you, I feel good. But actually, what you're telling me is, Manoj, you're making me feel good. You're not right. telling me that you actually are <laughs> going to do anything for me or you care. You know, it's a kind of transactional thing. When I say I love you, what I really need to mean is I care for your happiness. Yes, yes, bingo. And I, and I care for your path and I care for mm -hmm. your growth and your development. But mm -hmm. often we'll misuse that word love. And of course, that is much harder, right? To really care for someone else's happiness as much as you care for your own or even more yes. than, you know, you put your own needs to one side, maybe, or you put your anxieties to one side. You know, you say my wife is going to meet an old friend of hers who's a colleague, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to be open about that and say, yeah, that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's what she wants right. to do and so on, right? So. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head there. You know, like if we really understood that this is love, mm -hmm. you know, like really getting behind someone's path and evolution, like I think relationships would look a lot different. Yes, yes. That you're there to support somebody, you know, and mm -hmm. just to wake up to that in your own mind and be honest with yourself that mm -hmm. you really don't love anybody. All you're doing is looking for people. I mean, I'm talking about the average human mind is that's the way mm, the mind mm -hmm. is wired. It's just looking yeah. to get its needs met. But mm -hmm. the evolution of a human being, and as you say, it's a spiritual path of growth and yeah. development. But that journey of development is about becoming more loving. Mm -hmm. and giving, uh -huh. and, you know, all of that, right? Yep, I agree. Let's start talking about emotional needs, Marie, because, you know, they play a huge role, right? We expect other people to meet our needs. Um, and when they're not met, we get hurt and we blame other people uh, for hurting us. Do you want to speak mm -hmm. a little bit more about that? Well, yeah, it's a very nuanced topic because, of course, we have emotional needs. And, of course, there is an inevitable aspect of human relationships that is about, you know, filling each other's needs. Yes. And that is just, you know, like the human plane, <laughs> like, you know, like we can't only have a spiritual love without, you know, like an aspect of need fulfillment. So I think it's important to know, you know, what our needs are and to be able to have very open conversations about that with our partners and you know with our dates you know even at earlier stages because yeah not everyone has the same needs yes. um it can connect with you know for some people the languages of love or love languages as developed by gary chapman um i think that is a good framework mm. it's not you know i don't consider that theory necessarily like all-encompassing but i think it's a good orientation to like how like what do i want to prioritize with my relationship do i want a lot of quality time together is that what makes me feel connected and loved or you know do i want a lot of romance or you know like what what is it that makes me feel really connected and can we give that to each other are we willing to 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 share that so that yes. we feel that connection that we want to feel yes and i think the two other things are one to be able to communicate our needs, not to assume other people will know. That's one of the common mm -hmm. mistakes all of us fall into. That you mm -hmm, love me, mm -hmm. therefore 
you should know what I was looking for or what I needed. And because you haven't met that, I'm going to go into the silent sulk and you have to understand what I'm sulking about and I can't communicate. Mm -hmm, if I do mm -hmm. come to communicate it, then I'm communicating with my hurt and my anger. And so there's no kindness in that. So the real, there's a real mm -hmm. skill in communicating what our needs are. First of all, mm -hmm. understanding them as step one. Mm -hmm, step two, mm -hmm. questioning them and asking how many of these are really reasonable? You know, mm -hmm, that's two. Mm -hmm. but the third is making the other person aware of what they are, but doing that with kindness. Mm -hmm. And they're all, all right. skills to learn, right? Because they don't come naturally to any of us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's such a fine line between communicating our needs hmm. and seeing the other person as a needs-fulfilling machine. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, how do we like have needs word. and communicate our needs without just entitlement, right? Yes, yes. That's beautiful. Without entitlement, right? Mm -hmm, and of course, mm -hmm. in the closer we are to people, the longer the list of needs we expect them to meet, right? If I'm married yes. to you, then, you know, the list is a hundred long. But if we're just friends, it'll be just like three things, you know, on that list, right? Mm -hmm, um, and mm -hmm. of course, it's unreasonable. But then all my needs from childhood come along too. Right? I, yeah. you know, all my unmet needs from childhood for love and connection and this and that and all my past traumas, everything surfaces. And then my partner has to deal with them. And of course, they're completely unprepared for it. They thought they were mm. going to get into this loving relationship to get their needs met. And instead, they're yeah. all our baggage from the past right exactly like there's something that happens you know after a few months of relationship typically like people turn into their four-year-old and all of the needs that were not fulfilled as a child you know they start projecting it on their partner yes and all of a sudden you know it's like yes you know like your job is to fulfill my needs right like to yes. be attuned and to guess what i'm needing and then the other person is going to be like no, it's your job to fill my needs. What are you yes. talking about? Exactly. And then a lot of conflict happens. Yes. And so that's a if really you don't fulfill hard place. my needs, I'm not going to fulfill yours. And it's a negative spiral that usually ends mm -hmm. in relationship straining, breaking up, or becoming formal, yeah. you know, and, and so on. So there's so many people who live together, but the joy and love and goodness and that has gone out of that relationship, but purely because of this basis of emotional needs, which are not understood or communicated or, you know, because mm -hmm. the first thing we experience is hurt, right? Sometimes the first time I'm aware that I have an emotional need is when I feel hurt, when it's not met. Mm -hmm. Right, See? right. And I would say, you know, some people like the joy gets sucked out and for some people, it's more that the joy gets narrowed. Yes. They kind of somehow agree. And sometimes it's a nonverbal agreement that, okay, we're going to fulfill each other's needs and it's going to be this transactional thing. And as long as we keep in this narrow lane of behavior, we kind of learn what we can say and what we can't say and what we can do and what we can't do to keep the peace, then we continue and, you know, relationships might go a lifetime like that and there's relative peace and you know people will celebrate like yay you've been together for 40 years great but the condition for that relationship surviving is that both people 
enact a narrow version of themselves yes. for years and on the end. joy is gone you know from their life really a, a lot of it potentially a lot gone. of it yeah. yeah yeah so perhaps a link to that emotional needs is our question of how do we respond when we get hurt mm-hmm. because inevitably in any relationship you're going to feel hurt mm-hmm. for one reason or the other and there is the automatic way your mind will respond to that which is actually mm-hmm. going to not help the relationship or even damage it but there's mm-hmm. a more intelligent way we can respond what do you think yeah well that's a tough one because a lot of us you know like do go into nervous system activation when we get hurt emotionally and that's like a, a fight flight or freeze response mm. we either fight we become combative or we flee we're like okay i can't deal i have to leave or we freeze we become like oh my gosh i can't communicate i can't be myself or even you know i have to become a people pleaser i can't communicate from an authentic place and we can't necessarily blame people for going into those reactive states because oftentimes it is based on trauma yes. and it's based on how we are wired and it's really hard to create new neural pathways around conflict and yes. train ourselves to take a pause and find our hearts again find our authentic voice again communicate from a calm place um sometimes we have to take a little break just for the nervous system to calm down and gets you know get regulated again or maybe we need to co-regulate with each other mm. some people when they start you know having conflict they know that maybe they just need to hold each other physically for a little bit before continuing the conversation because people are too activated to have a productive conversation in those spaces so it depends on each person really on what's yeah. happening for them and you know what is the pathway to deal with hurt feelings yes. in a reasonable adult lucid way yes so i think when we get hurt the first thing to realize is it's not our fault because mm-hmm. it's just the automatic way our mind has responded to that it may not mm-hmm. even be somebody else's fault they might mm-hmm. not have intended to hurt us see the intention right. is the key that's number 1 mm-hmm. you can't help the initial reaction but then maybe if you really use your wisdom you can pause not react because our typical reaction to hurt is to lash out with anger or withdraw and it requires tremendous wisdom to stay engaged to communicate our hurt rather than our anger which is so important mm-hmm. and also then to ask ourselves hey what's going on in my mind that made me feel hurt see what was yeah. it that tr- was triggered what so it's not just about their fault or my fault but that mm-hmm. hurt can be an opportunity for growth and for learning mm. and i have found yes. that to be the biggest growth um stimulator if you like mm-hmm. in life so i give this analogy often to people i speak to you know if you have a pin in your finger the mm-hmm. pin the pain is calling your attention to something that needs addressing which is a pin mm-hmm. in your finger so you take the pin out and you deal with it and pain's gone similarly mm-hmm. our hurt is calling our attention to something that mm-hmm. needs addressing in our own mind 
-hmm. And if mm -hmm. we're really intelligent and if we have a really good relationship, we can then explore that together. Hey, what's going on that made me feel that way? Ah, it was that expectation. Now, oh, where did that come from? Oh, it came from that part of my conditioning. I wasn't even mm -hmm. aware of that. And so on. You see, yeah. whatever it is. Uh -huh. right. right, right. Like uh, the relationship is a mirror where we can really get to know ourselves better. Yes. So when we enter relationships, most people think they are an opportunity to get our needs met. Mm -hmm. And they are, our loneliness and so on, our need to be validated, feel important. But as we've been discussing, they're also a tremendous opportunity for growth as human beings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's an area that most people miss out on, or they don't, they're not even aware that A, this is possible, or B, how to do it. You know, how to grow as a human being through a relationship. I met yeah. a young man in a in a university and he said, I said, what's your number one problem? He said, I feel really lonely. And mm -hmm. I said, but he said, I've surrounded, I've got so many relationships. Mm -hmm. But I said, maybe what's missing is this ability to connect deeply with somebody, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he said, mm -hmm. I don't know how to do that. See? Yeah. Yeah. So, what could we say to someone who says, what does this personal growth in a relationship mean? And what, what's the first thing I could do about that? What could I do? Gosh, I mean, really, the first thing is awareness. Right. To me, that is the first part of spiritual growth. And, you know, it's probably more than half <laughs> in terms of, you know, growing and changing is to turn the mirror inwards you know, instead of always analyzing what's happening with other people and judging them and evaluating them, really looking and evaluating and assessing what is happening with me. Mm. And that is valid, not just for when you're in a relationship, quote unquote, but also when you're dating. That's mm. why I, I focus on mindful dating in my coaching practice, mm. because I love to, you know, really harness the power of the dating process and cultivate awareness around it around like what are my reactions to different situations around different people different dynamics and just learn 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 study yourself you know know thyself said the oracle like in the matrix right like knowing thyself is yes. the first step yes so personal growth is just another word for learning about yourself and how your mind well i don't know if it's just another word for it but i think learning about yourself is like a huge chunk of it at it's, least it's step course, number one yeah mm -hmm. learning and taking action from what you see mm -hmm. i mean there's no point just right. learning if you're not going to change anything yeah right? exactly yeah it's so like you when you to, learn yeah yeah for example, like when you learn that oh i'm really my instinct is to want to control somebody i learn mm -hmm. about that and I observe mm -hmm. that. I think I want to control that person, but I hate being controlled by anybody. That doesn't sound right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. the growth comes when you let go of that need to control somebody. So it's a combination of learning and, as you said, taking an action that translates into uh, growth in some way. Yeah, exactly. Because when you're self-aware, then you have the freedom to choose your behaviors. 
If yes. you're not aware, then you're just acting from an automatically wired, you know, system. Like you don't really have freedom if you're not aware. Yes. Freedom really comes from awareness. Yes. So let me explore two examples where personal mm -hmm. growth could be used, uh, where self-awareness can contribute to personal growth. So first one is anger. You know, you've done something and I automatically react with anger. And that, and if I'm not self-aware, that's where it stops. But if mm -hmm. I am, I'll be curious, what's going on? And I notice I always blame somebody else for it. And gradually you learn that your anger comes from you. It's not caused by the other person. It's a reaction from your own thinking. And then you can ask yourself, what is it in me that made me react in that way? Ah, it was disappointment. And why was I disappointed? Oh, because I expected this. And why did I expect that? And, you know, and so on. So it's an opportunity then for learning. And the other example uh, is rejection. And maybe mm -hmm. you want to speak about that, how terrified we are of it. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, as a dating coach, really, that is one of the big topics that I yes. discuss all the time is the fear of rejection and the pain of rejection. We are biologically programmed to avoid rejection mm -hmm. because, you know, if we're getting rejected from the tribe, we are going to die alone. And that is the worst possible thing for us as a human being. Mm -hmm. um, so rejection actually registers as physical pain mm -hmm. in our body. So it's really, really difficult to gain perspective and to get out of that reaction and get out of the narratives that we create around rejection, especially in romantic situations, because we are also very um, conditioned culturally to think like, okay, if someone rejects me in a romantic situation, that must be because I'm not hot enough, not mm -hmm. beautiful, not attractive enough, not desirable, not worthy. You know, we constantly gauge our market value yes depending on what people's reaction to us are yes and i think technology has made this game even more intense because we get to assess our quote-unquote market value at the tip of our fingers with dating apps yes. so it's an emotional roller coaster yes and you know dating apps developer do also capitalize on that this you know, emotional roller coaster of like, oh, you have a match and now you don't. And then, oh, someone just disappeared and then someone messages you. Like there's a lot of dopamine play mm -hmm. in that, you know, game of am I getting rejected or am I getting accepted? Yes. Am I loved or am I not loved? Yes. And I think the learning, the growth in that can be to learn from that rejection. What's my fear around that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What is the I that is afraid of rejection? What is this I that is so hurt and so afraid? And again, the learning takes you deeper to understand the nature of the I, realize it's a problem mm -hmm. of thinking and, and so on. But yeah. also to accept that, look, you don't like everybody you meet. So why should you expect mm -hmm. everyone you meet to like you? Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And do you want to be with anyone who doesn't really adore you and want to be with you? Why would you want to hang on to them? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right, right. If we really make our criteria, not just, you know, like, oh, I like this person. I need them to like me back. But more like, where is their mutuality? Like, with whom is there like an intelligent 
connection between us that really wants to propel us forward, like to to look at the intelligence of a connection, basically, rather than just objectifying other people. Yes. And I think it brings me to the first point you raise, which is you ask your clients, what are you bringing to the table? What are you offering? Mm -hmm. You see, you know, and we often think, oh, I am who I am. So my, they have to love me physically, you know, our physical attributes are a big part of all this, right? But we know that beauty and attractiveness is so mm -hmm. much more about other qualities, whether you're a happy person or a kind person or a passionate person or an interesting person. And these are things you can work on, but you can't work mm -hmm. on the shape of your nose, for example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, some people do. <laughs> some people <laughs> have figured out how to work on the shape of their nose, but oh my gosh. I know. Oh. But they go down a rabbit hole from which there's no freedom, right? They, ne they never come yeah, out. Yeah, like it never ends. And then it's like, oh, the lips, they can be better. Oh, the neck. Oh, you know. And there's a whole everything. industry, Marie, around Botox, yeah. around the face, right? Thinking. Oh, yeah. You know? But real attractiveness comes from all these other qualities. And so that perhaps leads me to my next question. How can we be more kind? It's such an underrated oh. quality in all yes. our relationships, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because kindness is the glue that's going to hold that relationship together and help it flourish. And yet mm -hmm. it's not something that comes instinctively to us, is it? No, and you know, I think if we made that the first question yes. that we ask ourselves when we date, when we enter relationships, even when we enter friendships, you know, in all of our relationships, what if we made that the first question? How can I be more kind? Right, right. Such you know, a beautiful like the question. The thing is, I think we know, but we don't prioritize it because we're so caught up in our heart feelings and our drama and our oh i need my needs met you yes, know that yes. we forget you know we don't prioritize kindness yes and if we did i think we would get a lot more of our needs met and yes. ironically you know and you'd be more attractive to people right oh my god yeah kindness is you know like it is one of the most attractive qualities someone exactly. can have like a real deep earned kindness which i would really emphasize it's not the same as people pleasing no no because a lot of people confuse the two and you know like they're like okay well if i'm nice to you you're gonna be nice to me right mm. and that's emotional manipulation yes and, and it's coming from fear is, actually we've got a whole module on kindness in the app but mm -hmm. it's kindness in thinking like how you think mm -hmm. it begins with that Kindness mm -hmm. in speech, kindness in action, you know, it, trans it permeates your whole being. But I think the number one thing you need to be kind is a mind that is at peace with itself. Right? Because if our mind is disturbed, and a lot of people's minds are, for whatever reason, stressed, anxious, etc. Or as you say, you're worried about rejection and all of that. There's mm -hmm. no space in your mind to even think about kindness. And as we said, it's the one quality that's going to determine the success of that relationship, which is going to determine your long-term happiness. So actually, your kindness is going to determine your own long-term happiness. And we don't see that clearly, do we? 
Yeah, like I think when we really ignite and practice our own kindness, you know, like we basically have access to our own source hmm. because real kindness comes from this like, oh, like I'm creating kindness from within, from hmm. my own heart. And we get to drink from that source as we are giving it to other people. Yes. yes and totally. so I think um, it is really you know, probably one of the primary keys to happiness. Yes, yes. And also, I think it's important to note the patterns that are repeating themselves in your life or in that relationship. And once you've spotted a pattern, the intelligent person steps back and says, what's this teaching me? But mm. we rarely do that. And so the patterns just keep repeating, right? Whether it's patterns of anger yeah. or conflict or you know, repeating, we have several relationships, but all of them follow the same pattern of ending badly or whatever it might be, you know, for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But being able to spot that pattern is not easy for yourself. Right, right. I mean, we're so addicted to our own egos. Yes, like yes. when I have a fight with my husband, for example, you know, like I can more and more, I think with practicing awareness, I can see the two parts of me, the part of me that wants to win the battle and that knows how to argue and wants to argue and win that fight. Hmm. And then the part of me that's like, wait a second, this is a friend, not a foe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I am in an altered state right now. I'm in a combative state. Can I create something different? even though I'm feeling activated, even though I'm feeling pissed off in this moment and I just want to fight, can I say something kind? Can I soften? Can I be kind to myself in this moment? Can I create a different groove? Yes. And that to me is the practice. Yes. It's not easy, but it's, it's, so, it's so powerful. It's such a skill. I think it should be part of education, all of this, because mm -hmm. that's why we are so, there's so much suffering because so many of our relationships are, you know, in conflict, as we're exploring, there's just so much um, to learn. Okay, one more yeah. thing. Can you imagine a, a high school class titled How to Drop Your Ego? <laughs> or How to Have Happy Relationships, you know. Yeah. <laughs> everything we're talking, by the way, is self-evident once you begin exploring it. It's not like we're in creating something amazing. But mm -hmm. one more thing. Do you know how to say sorry? How hard yeah. is that for people? It's the one thing that could suddenly turn <laughs> conflict and dissolve conflict right, straight away. Mm -hmm. Why do people find it so hard to say sorry? Well, again, it is about dropping the shield, dropping the mask, you know, to actually apologize and mm -hmm. to recognize like, I have caused you harm. Mm -hmm. I have been an instrument of pain for you. And I realize now that that's not what I want. I want to love you. I want to be an instrument of joy for you. Mm. And to recognize, you know, like I messed up. It is very humbling. And I think, you know, a lot of us, especially in, you know, our conditioned Western mind, we're conditioned to try to be right at all costs and to see ourselves as good, you know, like, oh, I'm a good person and anything that tells me otherwise, I must reject that, I must fight against that, I must defend myself. Yes. And the question to ask yourself is, what are you defending? 
What is this <laughs> I you're defending? What is this ego mm -hmm. you're defending? You see, when you go yeah. looking for it, you can't find it. You know, mm -hmm. and of course, yeah. saying sorry doesn't always have to mean you're at fault. It may mean that the other person felt hurt and you can be sorry for that. You see, mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. sorry something I said hurt you, but that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you are, it's not about fault. You see, it's about saying, I feel your pain. I'm sorry that you're hurting and let me look after you and take care of you. And that's, so love is built one small brick at a time, right? And it's destroyed also one brick at a time by not saying sorry and taking mm -hmm. people for granted mm -hmm. and, you know, and not being kind and, you know, all of that. Okay. Right. So we now coming to this, we're sort of winding up now, but I wanted to explore some skills. Say you're starting to date, right? Mm -hmm. And what are the skills that you could develop in yourself? to make mm -hmm. yourself a more attractive to others. Nothing to do with the shape of your nose, by the way, or your lips, <laughs> but your inner qualities. And mm -hmm. B, how can you prepare yourself to make that relationship a success? So we've talked about a couple of things, kindness, the ability to say sorry, the ability to love and care for someone else's happiness mm -hmm. no more than mm -hmm. your own. What else can we bring to that uh what else can we work on in ourselves well again i think self-awareness is the mm -hmm. big one you know and people practice self-awareness through different modalities like journaling having a coach or a therapist that they can talk to and really foster that self-awareness um meditation mm -hmm. there's a lot of different ways that people can um you know do that even asking their friends and their relationship partners for feedback. That is yes. one of the most courageous thing that someone yes. can do is just yes. coming to your loved ones and saying yes. like, you know, I would love to hear how, how am I making you feel? How, you know, like, tell me, you know, what, what do you think I need to hear to improve, to be a kinder person? Or a better person. Yes. Yes. Without yeah. being critical of yourself. I mean, this whole self-growth journey, I think one of the key elements of that is not to be critical of yourself like i'm not a bad person or a failure or anything. i'm just trying to be better you know whatever it is i'm trying to be a better human being and grow right. as a person and i think it brings me to we touched on it earlier but to really explore your own fear to have mm. courage to be fearless mm -hmm. and when you're mm -hmm. fearless you can be open vulnerable mm -hmm. you can say i like you not knowing whether you'll say the same thing back to me or whether you mm -hmm, like me, mm -hmm. see, you know, yeah. I can say yeah, I love yeah. you without really expecting, not knowing what's going to happen next. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that requires courage too, or not being possessive and accepting that, ah, Marie might be with me, but tomorrow she may not be. And being open to that too, you see, and, uh, mm -hmm. and so on. So courage is important, uh, you know, so important. Um, yes, yes, the courage to not be in control. Ah, so difficult for us as human beings, right? Mm -hmm. We yeah. want to control the future. Totally. And that's where all our anxiety comes from. Mm -hmm. And spotting that and realizing, firstly, you can't control the future. And secondly, wanting to control the future is actually making my present so miserable because I'm anxious and all of that. Mm -hmm. Seeing that clearly, you can let it go. And that requires courage, right? 
fearlessness. Mm -hmm. yep. You could also perhaps ask yourself, how well do you listen? Maybe that's another skill that we can develop for ourselves even before we begin dating for a relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. Like, how do I, uh, am I curious? When Marie says mm. something, do I pause and say what I want to say or do I pause and ask a question? or when I'm speaking do I pause and say how's Marie going to receive this and is this a good time to say something to her or not or is there a better mm -hmm. time I could say that or do I need to say anything at all I mean that's a question we rarely ask ourselves right? <laughs> <laughs> that's so true <laughs> you know okay all right so I, I, oh yeah you mentioned curiosity so in mm. communication, you want to speak about curiosity, Marie. It's so important, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Curiosity is, to me, like a big motor of love. Mm. And really be curious about what is happening for somebody else. And especially in dating, I think it can make the whole um, act of dating so much more fun when we really turn on our curiosity about someone else and learn from someone else and get a window like there's so few things in life that give us such a great window into someone else's humanity mm. than dating just being curious and asking a question yeah. you know yeah being interested rather than interesting you know yes. rather than thinking we have to perform and to show off like hey look at me how interesting i am to actually be interested yes in someone and else to listen through your own silence, that means to listen for the emotion behind the word. Mm -hmm. Right? Someone might be saying, you know, clean the kitchen, but actually what they're really saying is, I need this, that, or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But to listen to the emotion, to listen to what's not being said, mm -hmm. and so on. So there's so many layers and depth of listening that's possible. And curiosity yeah. is the number one thing. Ask yourself, what's going on with this person? What can I, mm -hmm. you know, and so on. What's the energy? What's happening? Uh, and you could do that, yeah. by the way, in all relationships at work and with your parents and children and so on. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, Marie, I just want to end perhaps this conversation uh, with talking about dating with kindness. All right. Okay. And let's just touch on a few practical things that we can do on how do we date with kindness, bring kindness into the whole conversation, into how we behave and, and so on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What, what could we do? What are a couple of things we can do? Well, one of those things is to, you know, like kind of like the golden rule, right? Treat other people like you want to be treated. Right. No one likes to be ghosted. No one likes when someone is a poor communicator. Um, everyone likes to be validated, to be given, you know, like the sense that your time matters mm. and it's valuable. So there are, you know, like aspects of dating with kindness that is about common courtesy and treating courtesy. people really, really well. Yeah, Like do what you're going to, you know, say what you mean mean mm -hmm. what you say mm -hmm. do what you said you were going to do apologize yeah. if you can't for some reason but i think mm -hmm. the biggest one is not to use people to fill our own emptiness 
mm-hmm. knowing, mm-hmm. you know, so often we lie to people about how we feel about them because we want something from them. They'll fulfill a need. If I say, I love you, then they'll have whatever, you know, I'll get something from mm-hmm. them, etc. Mm-hmm. But to be aware of that in ourselves and realize that's so unkind, right? Yeah, I think honesty is kindness. Right, right. Yeah, right. to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with the people we interact with, you know, to not, um, yeah, to basically drop the pretense and actually say what we mean. Take off your masks, right? Be authentic, mm-hmm. you know? That's mm-hmm. kindness, mm-hmm. right? And of course, we mustn't forget the kindness to yourself, to love yourself for who you are, you know? Yep, yeah. Because otherwise, in this whole dating business, we can get sucked into feeling that, oh my goodness, my I'm only worth whatever other people think of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only if yes. other people like me or I get all those likes, am I likable or worthy? And to realize that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. And actually, you need to begin by accepting and being at peace and loving yourself as you are. See, that's so important. Right. You have to be your own ally. Yes. Because when you bring, you come to a relationship with that energy, it's totally different to coming to it with, I need you to validate me all the time, you know, and uh, that can cause its own problem. And perhaps to Mm -hmm. end by saying that a happy person is really a beautiful person, a really attractive person. So maybe Mm -hmm. work on your own happiness, you know, and that then allows you to uh, be more loving and more kind to others and so on. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think uh, filling our own cup allows us to share from a place of abundance yes. rather from a, you know than a place of scarcity. Let me take a couple of minutes, Marie, to show uh, our listeners who are here today and maybe in the future some resources we've got in the Happier Me app for this, and then uh, okay. we'll open it up for a discussion. So this is the um, app, and uh, it's on your desktop and on the phone, and it's just Happier Me. Um, so if you come here, there's a large section called Fulfilling Relationships. So all our content on relationships is in one page. So, for example, there is um, uh, we've got uh, a module on emotional needs or um, relationships, the reactive mind, communication, what love is and isn't, a big module on kindness. And then their life stories, guided questions about emotional needs, for example, or listening, short videos on kindness or dating or ending conflict, and a number of podcasts and uh, a library of past events. And this will be become part of that library. So uh, for those who are interested, uh, there's plenty more. Um, and, um, you know, for people. Okay. So... Um, let me just open it up for a discussion. So, Donald, what do you think about this whole business of relationships? Well, I wrote down four words during your very interesting chat interview exchanges. And the four words are control, kindness, intimacy, and the word sorry. Hmm. They're the ones that motivated me to write down that word. And 
I have a feeling that control is based more on the subconscious need and fear than a want. I'm speaking from my own kind of gut sense. I, if, to the degree that I have and do control people, it's not something that I consciously want to do. It's something because of a fear that I have a subconscious need to do. Mm. It's, it's deep and it's unconscious, largely speaking. Mm. So that's my, that's kind of my response to the word control as you both use this. Mm. And uh, what about uh, the others, Donald? Uh, kindness. Uh, kindness comes from peace. I think that's what more or less what uh, Marie said. Uh, it's difficult to be kind unless you're relatively at peace. Uh, I have a sense for a long time, a very long time, that we treat others about as well as we feel about ourselves mm-hmm. in a given moment. Mm-hmm. So how we treat others is a is a complete reflection of where we're at ourselves. Right. And our, and our acceptance. Right. Right. That's an yeah. interesting insight. That means we, if we're not kind to ourselves or we don't feel kind to ourselves, we're unlikely to be kind to others. Or if Absolutely. we're critical of ourselves, we're likely more likely to be critical of others, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting insight, Donald. Yes. Very true. Um, do you want me to touch on do you want me to touch on the other two? Go on well? then. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Then I'm gonna ask Marie to come in with her comments on that. Go on. Oh, uh, she can come in now. I don't mind either way. Uh would I would I continue or well, I might add one more thing before you continue, Donald. And sure, thank you sure. so much for your vulnerability and for that really insightful comment. Um, you know, the idea that kindness depends on peace. I think it's important to not set an unrealistic expectation um, because, you know, inner peace, you know, can be seen as this like, almost like, oh, you have to be enlightened. You have to have no problem. Your mind has to be clear, like a clear lake, you know, and I think we can't wait until we reach that point until we can be kind. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think we can be kind even if we, feel upset and you know to me that's like the the lifting weights you know like part of spirituality and relationships is like you know even when I'm not feeling completely peaceful can I still be kind and treat myself well and treat myself uh, and others really well too so I would encourage us to you know practice kindness no matter if we're feeling peaceful that day or not you know I think prioritizing kindness is the first step yeah. to realize, as we said, it's essential for your own happiness mm-hmm. because it's the glue that's going to hold that relationship together and long-term happy relationships are the foundation of our own happiness. Right. So yeah. right. Uh, carry happy on, happy. Donald. You had two more points. Yeah. In- intimacy. Uh, yes. Uh, I feel deeply that one of the great challenges of relationships, particularly romantic relationships, 
it's a fear of intimacy, and by by a fear of intimacy, I'm primarily I'm primarily thinking, feeling that a difficulty with intimacy is a suspicion of self. It's it's a shield. It's it's an un, it's an unwillingness, a non-preparedness, a feeling that one can't reveal oneself as one is. Right. That I can't be seen. Right. That it, if I'm in an early relationship, for example, I have this that I'm trying to describe. Mm. And maybe I feel a little inferior to the person I'm dating. And, and there is something that I'm not comfortable with in myself. The, a very common feeling would be if she, if she knows this, if she sees this, if I reveal this, I'll be rejected. Right, right, right. So, so intimacy, yeah. intimacy in a way requires a willingness to be, to be vulnerable, to be transparent. Yes, yes. To be seen, to be, com to be seen completely. And that requires courage, right? It does. It does. You know, because as you say, we, have all these layers like an onion. We keep hiding ourselves from others because we worry that if they saw that part, then they'll leave us, you know, and that fear of people leaving. Yeah. Um, and this, I'm, I'm, I use the phrase suspicion of self there in passing, but I think it's quite deep and lots of people. Yes. And they're not understood, all these things. They're just operating in the background without our own awareness, shaping our actions. And that's where self-awareness is so vital for successful relationships. But Marie, maybe you want to comment on that, the vulnerability we feel, the masks we, we hide ourselves, don't we, from others and even from ourselves sometimes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right, right. I think, I mean, you are so eloquent, Donald, in talking about that. And it makes me think of this idea that intimacy actually means into me, see, Yes. You know, letting someone else see into me. Um, yes. What a beautiful and, way of putting that. Yes, yes. Yeah, and that has to start. I mean, actually, I don't know which is really the beginning. Because I was going to say it has to start with self-intimacy and the ability to be really honest and open within ourselves. But sometimes the love of someone else, you know, someone else being able to love parts of us that are that we find hard to love mm -hmm. can create a lot of healing and catharsis mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. So again, like I don't want to, um, I don't want to spread the message that, Oh, you have to be perfect. You have to be peaceful. You have to love yourself completely before you can love someone else or let someone love you because I don't think it's a linear path. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes someone else, needs to love you in order for you to love yourself completely. And then, you know, the other way around. So it's a beautiful dance of revealing ourselves to ourselves and to each other. I mean, there's a mystery to love, isn't there? Beyond a point. You can't, <laughs> Yeah. you know, no amount of logic and thought and all that is going to reach that. Uh, and maybe there's an element of mystery that we have to just accept. And Donald, yeah. you had one more point you wanted to explore or discuss. Yes, very briefly. The word sorry, uh, it requ clearly requires a, li a little humility, but 
here's what I want to say as clearly as I can. The refusal to say sorry, or the decision to, the refusal to not to say sorry is, is based on my being correct, my being right is more important than our connection. Right, right. Very eloquently put, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you My for that. Being that right is so is true. more important than our connection. Some people are just don't know how to say sorry. Do you understand? Their whole system rebels against them if they even think about that word. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a skill <laughs> that is needs to be learned, right? Because it's not taught anywhere, you know? <laughs> one of the um, old sayings in relationship therapy is like, do you want to be right or do you want to be married? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But it's yeah, a skill I... we can all learn, Donald, you know, and I hope people who are listening will, will reflect on that for themselves. I'm sure all of us have been in, know people who just don't know how to say sorry and um, they struggle with their, all their relationships, you know? Um, okay. Thank you so much for that. Uh, anyone else who wants to comment or uh, have a question, please feel free. Hi, Manoj. This is Rajiv. Hi, Rajiv. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Marie. It was a nice session, you know. Uh, we really could pick up uh, a few good nuggets, like I mentioned. Now, when we started the discussion, we were talking about uh, looking for perfection in the other person. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's quite surprising that we look for perfection in the other person, but don't look at perfection in ourselves. No. Am I perfect before I demand perfection from the other person? Yes. Yes. You know, that's that's something which needs to be, you know, uh, introspection is needed on that account. That I need to be at that particular standard or whatever, where I put if I if I'm raising the bar, then I have to live up to that standard. You know. Oh, mm -hmm. am I perfect mm -hmm. for the other person? You see what I mean? Yes, because, because exactly. my idea of perfection might be my wife cooks all the time, but her idea of perfection might be I do all the washing up or all the laundry. <laughs> and am I matching that idea of perfection? Whatever it is, right? Yeah, but even you know, if 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 I have my own preconceived notions of a perfect woman or a partner, then am I also living up to the other person's expectations? You know. In terms of, am I perfect too? Yes, yes. Yeah. Marie, yeah, you want to talk about be... perfection now, the idea of perfection, which <laughs> so many people have, right? I'm mm -hmm. looking for the perfect person to fall in love with. And you yes. know, the joke is, I spend my life finding that, looking for that perfect person. And after 10 years of looking, I finally found her, but I wasn't the perfect person she was looking for. She was looking for, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and, you know that's something on those lines. Something on those lines. So I start again. But yeah, this idea of perfection yeah, pervades our society, doesn't it, Marie? In terms of how when we start looking for partners, it's so unrealistic, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we 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 put ourselves on such a, a high level, you know, that it's difficult to match those expectations. So that's that's one thing which is very much uh, prevalent in today's uh, dating world, as I would say. Yes. Everybody's mm -hmm. looking for that perfect partner. Yes. Yeah. Right, right. And um, what if we looked at values instead and the process rather than, you know, the people as a finished product? 
because no one is a finished product and you know do do our values align you know if if i have a strong value around growth and investing in my growth and self-awareness and i really want a partner who shares that value i think there can be an understanding that none of us are going to be perfect but are we living in integrity with those values that's a better standard to look for than perfection as if we were just you know like a an item on a shelf that we buy at the store. Mm. Yeah, that's <laughs> the way it works, but that's unrealistic. And that's why. But I love what you said, Marie, is that am I with a person who's going to grow with me? Mm-hmm. No matter which relate who I find is going to be challenges. And is this the person I want to meet those challenges with? Or and are they willing to grow with me, if you like, you know, in that? And mm-hmm. flexibility mm-hmm. and kindness, all those things. You know, are they willing to compromise? Am I willing to compromise? Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. let go of my idea of perfection. <laughs> right. But um, Manoj, when we talk about kindness, I, I get where you're coming from. I absolutely agree with you. But can it be misconstrued as as weakness? Yeah, I think... It doesn't matter how it's construed or not. Kindness is a gift you give yourself. It's a value you hold to yourself as a person. My sense of value comes from being kind. That's who I am. It's like my heartbeat, you know. It's, it's, It's my journey of growth. I've come to this point. If you regard it as a weakness, then um, that's your problem. If you like, it's not mine. (laughs) And so, I, I come from that same from that same space of kindness. But when I'm operating from kindness, can the other person, the partner, misconstrue it as a weakness? That's my point. Yes. I think it requires communication, Rajiv, you know, to explain it does. what and, and to have that conversation. Do you regard kindness as a weakness, for example? Um and a lot of men, by the way, have this macho idea. And I think, Marie, you yes. and I were talking that women also now have this macho idea of themselves. And so the idea of kindness and kind of dents that idea of, you know, I'm strong mm-hmm. and I'm invincible and, you know, all of that stuff. Absolutely. When we talk about alpha males, you know, or sigma males or whatever, those are just, you know, creating that mystique about those kind of person persona, you know. Yes. So everybody wants to live up to that particular persona that they create. Oh, I'm an alpha male. Yes. But the key realization for me has been that kindness is the glue that holds my relationships together. And those relationships are the foundation of my happiness. Without kindness, there's no strong relationship. And without that, I can't be happy. So kindness is a gift I'm giving myself. Once I see that really clearly, then it goes right to the top of my list in terms of my priorities for any relationship and for myself. Right, absolutely, spot on. You know, and uh, the Dalai Lama said beautifully, you know, my religion is kindness. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sums it up in such uh, beautiful language. Yeah, yeah. I just like to add one more thing, you know, in, in terms of relationships, uh, where we need to reflect and uh, take a pause. I follow a particular mantra, 
And the mantra is PQR. Pause, question, and then respond. Ah, mm. Very good. I like that. You know, so, so like uh, Marie was rightly saying that, uh, always take a pause, reflect. So that's exactly the space that partners need to be, you know, working on. Mm. It's not always right. It's not always about me or me being right or, you know, whatever. So the best way is just remember PQR, pause, mm -hmm. question, and then respond. Thank you so much, yes. Raji, for that. That is very uh, wise. <laughs> very wise and wonderful insights. Uh, Marie, do you want to just say a few words before we wind up? Sure. Well, thank you so much, Minaj, for having me and allowing us to have this beautiful conversation. And thank you, Rajiv and Donal, for being here and participating. This is, you know, my life's work and my passion. So, of course, we covered so many big topics and just, you know, talking about them in theory is not enough. We have to practice them and we have to really implement them in our lives. And that's why I do the work that I do, you know, coaching people on relationships and dating. So if anyone listening is interested in really putting all of these beautiful principles into practice and having a support system for that, well, um, please reach out to me. You can Google my name, Marie Tuan, and you'll find me, or you can go to my website at loveinsight-dating.com. And I offer a free 30-minute introductory session to anyone who just wants to have a conversation. And we get to meet each other and just see if we're a good fit to work together. And I will add all Marie's details uh, you know, at the end of this so you can see them. But Marie, thank you so much for a beautiful conversation and to Donal and Rajiv for participating. And I hope that people who are listening or watching this in the future will find some richness to take away. And this will help with um, all your relationships. So thank you and have a really wonderful weekend. This podcast came to you from Happier Me. To find out more, please download the Happier Me app or visit happierme.app. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>